0: I'm Sadia Tariq and you're listening to Dhani, the podcast. In this short but powerful podcast, Sheikh Ibrahim takes us through the wisdom of finding cracks within and then how to deal with them. Why should we be looking, to deal with them? Taking various triggers as sources of learning rather than alaikum sir and thank you very well, much. Welcome back, uh, so Today you. Uh, it's a it's a very um, one of the very very pertinent um, inquisitions um, mm. that we have uh, that one is supposed to do is one to realize the cracks that we have, realizing that we mm. are all um, imperfect, um, and then finding growth in them. So there is Mm -hmm. a a um, two-step process, I believe.
1: Right. You know, we've got this habit of um, making other people guilty for our um, experience of discomfort with them or irritation with them. So, you know, like you you have a spouse who's got a really irritating habit or you have a... um, you have a boss who drives you to distraction because you consider them to be rude or unpleasant or unfriendly or whatever. Um, you know, this is um, perfectly understandable that we, uh, we suffer discomfort or we suffer um, uh, so sort of irritation on the basis of somebody else's behavior. And then we say kind of our whole attitude is, you know, you are making me angry, or you are irritating me, or, um, now this is, this, uh, if you're, if you're on this path of trying to, uh, to g- develop as a being, um, then what one has to understand is that there's, the, it's, it's not somebody else's irritation of view, which is actually at issue. It's your irritability, which is at issue. So what I mean by this is there's a wonderful story for that relates to Sheikh Mohammed ibn al-Habib, one of the shayukh in our tradition. Um, and the, the, you know, the story is that he was once approached by a murid of his, a disciple of his who, um, who had had a lot of trouble with his wife, and the Marid had a problem with his own wife. So, and the Marid was complaining about his wife. He was saying, "You know, chef, this woman I'm married to is such an awful person. I mean, you know, I had a, um, you know, I had guests last week, and she was so rude to them. And I had, uh, you know, my mother came to visit, and she, you know, you know what this woman cooked for? This woman's really carrying on about this. And then, and then, at some point, the chef got irritated." And he said, you know, look, just shut up. And the man was surprised. He said, why? He said, the sheikh said, you know, you clearly don't understand the purpose of a spouse. Um, He said, you, you know, you have to understand that the relationship between a person and their spouse is like the relationship between water and the vessel. It's the nature of the water to find where the cracks in the vessel are. It's poor courtesy. It's poor adab. If the vessel complains when the water finds the cracks. So what this story suggests is that anything that irritates you says more about your cracks, about your own conditional motive than what it does about the thing that's causing you the irritation. I mean, if you'd, if you'd um, had fallen and you had a number of sort of scratches and lesions in your skin, and we immersed you in a, a, a bath of salt water, you would find pain wherever the skin was was compromised you know but that uh, that says nothing about the salt water that says something about your skin and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so it is with our own irritability with our own sense of discomfort with the world you know we said previously when we spoke we said that this journey of maturation you can just, as a, as a being you can describe as the journey of the maturation of intent to give unconditionally. Um, you know, when we're born, we've had nothing yet. So whatever we're going to get, we will still get, which means at birth, the infant is here to get in the most unconditional sense of the word. Whereas when we die, we don't get anything. We give everything unconditionally. And so so there's this: our, our life is a process of the clarification of our intent to give unconditionally. And that means it's the clarification of our, of our conditional motive. Now that has to mean that we have to find our conditional motive and transcend it. And finding <laughs> our conditional motive means identifying the places where life doesn't suit us, where mm. the world impinges on us, where, where we suffered discomfort, because it's precisely the places where we suffered discomfort which then indicates to us what our expectations of life are, and we are then in a position to forego them. I mean, if you don't even identify them in the first place, you can't forego them. So, the the you know, the identifying our cracks is the first step, necessary step, to transcending them. And it is people, impossible people, who drive us to distraction that are actually the biggest allies that we have on this journey. So rather than mm. them being very bad for us, they're actually exceptionally right. good for us. Mm. I mean, what does your patience mean if, it, if you're dealing with somebody who's easy to get along with? <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, that's so true. Yeah. Everybody can be patient with an angel. Um, you know, so, but dealing with somebody who drives you to absolute distraction, these are wonderful people.
0: So when you say, so that's the first step of recognizing that every time something irks us,
1: mm.
0: we are irked and that's important to know.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: So the recognition, say, assuming that the recognition is established, mm. how do we find the expansion in those cracks or how do we heal those cracks so that we're able, we're able to rise, we're able to grow?
1: So there's there's two elements to this. The one is the work that you could call the inward work, um, and then there's the work which is the outward work. Um, the inward work is is itself is there's there's two elements to it. So the the first element is is finding the source of the harm or of the damage. So, you know, like, for instance, I mean, I'll give you a very silly example. Let's say, for instance, you get brought up in a culture where eating noisily is really the most reprehensible thing you can do. And you end up in a foreign country where everybody, it's good manners to eat noisily, to slurp your soup. Let's make that, you know. So, So, I mean, you could spend the first couple of days with these soup eaters. Getting absolutely annoyed, and then you mm. then you do the work. You say, "Well, what sits behind this assumption that these people are busy irritating, are, are sort of deliberately irritating me?" Is well, actually, you know, I was brought up, and then you can maybe do the work of finding out what the biographic roots of this irritation is. You can remember a time. A dinner where your father reached over the table and slapped you over the top of the head for slurping your soup. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you, you can do the, the work of the biographic catharsis. And the biographic catharsis is nothing more than just making that which is currently unconscious, conscious. So, well, that's where that thing comes from. That's where mm-hmm. it started. The moment you do that, the thing no longer has its hold over you because you've turned it into an object that doesn't sneak up for it on you from behind. You know, you can see it and then you can make a deliberate choice about it. You can say, well, is soup slurping inherently objectionable? You know, clearly it can't be because there are other people in the world who think it isn't. So, so actually it's an irrational presumption that it should be, you know, maybe there's some definite advantages in terms of, I don't know, releasing the flavor of the soup or something when you surf it. You know, so that's the one thing that, it's 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 finding the biographic root of the conviction that you require this behavior from the world, you know. Right, right. And then they're basically challenging that assumption, challenging that presumption. The second inner piece of work that this requires of, and they're related, is not just finding the narrative that sits on the inside, but actually creating the depth. The, and and we refer to this creating depth as, as quieting your internal dialogue. Is to get is to get quiet to the point where you are in the position to put the irritation in front of you. You know, I mean, if you do something that irritates me, my body holds the irritation. In other words, mm-hmm. it's it's like it's I'm irritated. But if you get quiet. You'd almost, you can start to create the experience where you observe the irritation. In other words, the irritation is a stimulus like any other stimulus. You know, like, I mean, if I'm, if I'm sitting in my lounge and I'm looking at my cat who's sitting on a chair across, he, the cat is an object in my, you know, in my field of vision. Now, why is it that, I mean, I can do that with any experience. You know, I can take, um, um, uh, 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 You know, I can take what something tastes like and give it minute attention, treat it as an object, something on the other side of my perception. And I can do exactly the same thing with my irritation, actually, because irritation is also just a chemical response of my body. I can treat that as a stimulus like any other stimulus. In other words, it's not me getting irritated anymore. I operate from a place which is deeper than the stimulus of the irritation. It's something in front of me. It's, it's another stimulus like anything else. And I can therefore choose not to make it as significant as what it is when it is so insistent. So the second piece of work that we do isn't just to change the narrative about the stimulus, but to actually operate from a place which is deeper than the stimulus. We call that quietening your internal dialogue so that you operate mm-hmm. from deeper within. And the stimulus is no longer something that bushwhacks you, or occupies your experience. It is something which is in front of you. You can look at it. It's an object now. It's not part of your subjective reality. Mm-hmm. The, these are the bits of work that you do on the inside. The piece of work that you do on the outside is that you deliberately act on the basis of what's the appropriate thing to do in the situation. So, let's stay with this, because the soup. Slurping Hmm. example. So you're 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 the guest um, in um, this very obscure village in I don't know some tribe where they they make the soup, you see, and they're all slurping away with gay abandon, and you're getting irritated to death, and then you you for a moment you you park that irritation, and then you recognize just how actually how incredibly well-prepared and delicious the soup is and how generous these people were to give you the soup. In other words, what's actually happening is not that these people are mean at all. They actually are being very kind to you. And the appropriate thing to do to them is to express gratitude. In other words, you act on the basis of what's the appropriate thing to do in the situation that you're in. And it is the acting appropriately which then galvanizes the change. You see, it's not just good enough to view the thing differently. You've got to act on the view. Sure, sure. So I view the behavior as irritating. I understand that it's irritating me. I do the inner work so that I'm no longer overwhelmed by the experience of my irritation. So I can actually see the situation as it is. I act. On the basis of what's appropriate in the situation, the moment I do that, I've now transcended that piece of brokenness in myself. I've transcended the crack. I'm no longer defined by the thing. You know, I've, I've gone beyond it. So, and in fact, that's the story of our growth. That's in a sense of how our growth works. And there are traditions, inner traditions in the world where they actually use, actually deliberately go out and find people who are really irritating, and they go and serve them, so that you. That's a fantastic way of actually de- uh, developing. You know, you use this irritating behavior as a way to transcend your own condition, conditioning, and your conditional motive.
0: Right, right. So, in your in your book, um, you you write that we can only be injured in the way in which we make ourselves vulnerable. Mm. Your vulnerability is defined by that which you want from the world. Hmm. So, again, yes, as you said, a right. conditional yeah. uh, a conditional motive.
1: That's right, yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> I mean, this is particularly true. Sorry, Sadia. Um, sorry, go on. This is, no, go on. This is particularly true in terms of um, issues of significance. I mean, it's clear that, I mean, if, if you punch me, I mean, I'll be, because, you know, noses do break, I mean, phys- physically. So, you know, the, yeah, yeah. So, 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 I mean, there's, this might not necessarily be true in terms of, you know, crass sort of physical things, but it's particularly true in terms of issues of significance. Mm. You know, I mean, if, if I, so my conditional motive is based on what I want from the world. If I want something from you, your ability to withhold what I want makes you, gives you power over me. It makes me vulnerable with regard to you. All my vulnerability is based on what I want from the world. Now, I'm particularly vulnerable on the basis of my desire for significance. So let's say, for instance, I want shoes from you. Your ability to withhold shoes gives you power over me. But if at some point I actually get my hands on your shoes, you can't withhold them anymore. So in a sense, you lose your power over me. So if you're talking about physical objects, there's a limit to the degree to which you are vulnerable and manipulable. Because once you've got the physical object in your hand, the other person has lost their control over you. However, let's say I want you to like me. I want you to think I'm a really nice person. I can clearly never have control over your good opinion of me than what I can have have control over the shoes. In other words, I'm infinitely more manipulable on the basis of my desire to be liked than what I am on the basis of my desire for things. So, so the things that really get to us, the things that make us super vulnerable, are actually all issues relating to significance, and these are the most important things for us to transcend. So, into experiences where we feel disrespected, experiences where we feel demeaned, the, the these are the most wonderful opportunities. People who put us in a position where we feel somehow. Um, a kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, insulted or th- these, you know, clearly you have a choice about whether you find the person's behaviour insulting. Let's say, for instance, you do something really outrageous to me, and um, and and I am outraged. I mean, justifiably. So let's, let's think about something. So so um um you 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 know you you say something deeply insulting. Actually, like, so you're really fat. That's, that's a good one. You really figures. lots of people get upset about being called fat. So you tell me one day, you meet, we meet one day and you, you're shocked. You look at you and say, God, you really are fat. And now, I mean, you know, I can be outraged by this outrageous thing that you've just said to me, you know, uh, you know, I mean, so, so I can, and I can, you know, I can, so, you know, really, I mean, how could you say, really, how could you say that to me? And that's fine. It's my, my right to be outraged because you, you've insulted me. But what I have to at least admit is that there could be a whole, I mean, I've chosen the outrage. I mean, I could choose a whole universe of possible responses to your outrageous behavior. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I, for instance, I could try, um, I could try, uh, um, um, curiosity, you know, really, you know, um, um, I could try, um, uh uh, bemusement really i mean i could try and humor (laughs) really you know Mm -hmm. i mean do you understand it's it's the same things coming out of my mouth but so so but so i choose my response you know the Mm -hmm. the problem with the problem with um our vulnerabilities is that they actually disable our freedom that we cannot choose our response We 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 operate then in a in an absolutely predictable way, and then that's exact. It's that predictability. You see, that makes us so extremely manipulable, and makes us that's that vulnerability that makes us so manipulable. So one other way of understanding this issue of transcending our cracks is, is that it's really it's really about freedom. You know, it's about understanding that. This unpleasant experience that you have of being in your skin, when people do things to you that don't suit you, that unpleasant experience is a choice. Mm, of course. You know? Yeah. And the moment you've made it not a choice, that's the degree to which you will do inappropriate things. Mm. So I'll give you another example. I was... I was. Um, I was uh, this is actually a very good example. You, you know, the, the Arab culture is that um, uh, you you don't sit with your legs. If you're sitting on the floor, you don't sit with your legs straight. That's considered to be extremely rude, you know, and you don't point your feet at somebody. This is very, very rude.
0: Mm.
1: Now, unfortunately, in Southern Africa, particularly with with um, some of the kind of the, the tribal people from Southern Africa, the the cultural habit is exactly the opposite. It's exactly mm-hmm. the opposite, if you, particularly mm-hmm. for a woman. If a woman sits cross-legged, she's being cheap and trollopey. I mean, she's not, you know, you don't sit. It's like you're being, like, you know, it's like sh- shocking for a woman to sit cross-legged. If a particularly, anybody, I mean, if you were to be demure, and properly um, um, courteous to somebody, when you're sitting on the floor, you're sitting with your legs together and your feet pointing out ahead of you. That's how you sit. Now, that's exactly the same kind of behavior that an Arab would find deeply insulting. So, yeah. I was in a gathering where there was this very august Arab sheikh who um, who, uh, who was we were all sitting on the floor and there was this uh, this... A very tribal African man sitting with us, and this man was sitting with his legs straight ahead of him, with his feet. And this Arab got absolutely incensed, and he took such a strip off this man. He said, "You have no adab! How dare you! How dare you point your feet at me!" And he—I mean—he just completely went. They I mean, just—it was absolutely embarrassing.
0: Mm. Now
1: that was clearly inappropriate the man allowed his own cultural habit of assuming that somebody's being rude when they point their feet at you to completely override his experience he just didn't have the ability to in that moment suspend his presumption and actually interrogate this thing with a little bit oh this guy's in so- uh, really you know um, if he had just brought a bit of curiosity to the situation you know uh, is, you know that's interesting why are you sitting like that you know maybe he would have seen the thing for where it was. So when you act on the basis of your presumption, you don't see things for what they are. And you then are more than likely going to do something completely inappropriate. Mm. And the, the problem is that with acting inappropriately is that we then solicit a response from the world, which vindicates our view. So, you know, he shouts at this man for being so damn rude. The man's completely shocked and defends himself, you know. And then com- vindicates the this Arab person's view that this guy was rude in the first place. You know, so th- we then go, go into these spirals. So it's this this issue of of kind of discovering who we really are, and the, vers- the how can I put it? The 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 vastness of who we really are, the versatileness of our beings, is only possible. You know, only grow if we deliberately f- to stop taking our irritations, our, our sense of of moral outrage uh, with a pinch of salt and the look at it with a, in a spirit of kind of curiosity and openness and really interrogate the feeling as much as interrogating the behavior of the other.
0: Wow. So well said. And there you are know, so many issues we'd resolve if only we were able to do that. Mm. Mm-hmm. So thank you very, very much. Indeed, a very, very Pleasure popular conversation. Thank you.
1: Thank you.